Hi, I'm Chris Shaffrey, the president of the AANS, and I want to invite you to Boston for our annual meeting, which is going to be held on April 25th through 29th, 2020. The theme of the meeting is the world of neurosurgery. It's going to be an exciting, informative, compelling meeting, and I strongly encourage you all to attend. Welcome to the Neurosurgery Podcast. I'm Mike Wang, and I'm here with my co-host, J.P. Colson. We are here to discuss all things neurosurgical. Hi, this is J.P. Colson, a resident in neurosurgery at Rush University. Please note that this is not a CME event, and the opinions and statements made in this podcast do not reflect those of any institution or professional organization. Now, let's get started. We're live. Hi, welcome to the Neurosurgery Podcast. I'm here today with Praveen Mumanini, who's our guest. Praveen is a professor of neurosurgery specializing in spinal surgery at UCSF. Welcome to the podcast, Praveen. Thank you, Mike. Great to be here. Well, listen, I'm really honored, uh, as is JP, to have you here because you're an icon in the spine world. How many publications do you have now? Uh, some hundreds, I don't know. Three, over 300, I'm, I'm guessing? Yes. Probably close to 400, right? Maybe. And how many books have you edited already? Uh, I think nine. No, it's more than that. I, I checked. You're younger than me, too. You're, you're a bit younger than me. By six months. Yeah, but that's, <laughs> that's a very impressive resume. And I will say that one of the things I enjoy watching is your videos of, of your cases. I've seen a number of them out there in the world. And, um, you know, it impressed me that when you're in the OR, you seem very organized. And you seem to have a workflow that's pretty... Um, pretty uh, in, pretty efficient, I should say. And you work like me in a university, right? Yes, I work in an inefficient environment. Yeah, so an we... efficient person in an inefficient <laughs> environment. <laughs> Which is the hardest thing to do, I think. Yes. Yeah. So one of the things that comes up, especially I think for younger folks, maybe for residents or maybe for young attendings, like... You know, how do you really get ready for cases? So we talk a lot about indications, like how do you know which case to operate on, right? We spend a lot of time on that. But let's say you see a patient, which you do every day in clinic, they need surgery, you're going to do the right surgery for them, and then how do you, how do you, what transpires between that moment and then the actual execution of the surgery, right? Is there nothing that goes on? I'm sure there's something that goes oh, on. Oh, there's a tremendous amount of things that go on. Uh, so, you know, basically once you decide what the operation is you want to do, then you got to book the case. So the thinking starts right then and there. You got to stick on your, your thinking cap and you got to figure out what kind of bed do I want to position this person on? Uh, do I want neurological monitoring for this person? Um, what risk factors can I mitigate by the things that I book? What kind of instrumentation do I want? Do I want a fluoroscopy unit? Do I want a navigation unit? Do I need a microscope? Uh, and you know, there's, there's quite a bit of things that just go into the, into the booking. So right from there, we need to start thinking. Um, these are not things that really I was taught as a resident how to book a case. Mm -hmm. However, I do teach my fellows how to book a case because they need to know uh, how to go from once you make the decision to how you get to the OR. So they, they help me book the cases now. And I, of course, overlook them when they're doing it. Uh, and I think that's a good learning experience. Our residents, on the other hand, don't have a chance to come to the clinic with me. And the, uh, so when they, when they get out in the real world, suddenly they need to you know, figure out how to book a case. And if they hadn't done that, that can be a little bit rough. 
And you have like a secretary or a scheduler that takes care of that stuff? Yes, yes. I have a, a, a wonderful scheduler. Her name is Jolene, and she basically will make sure that my booking looks legitimate and there's nothing <laughs> left out. Uh, we also have a superb uh, person who works in our OR and liaises with us who's a very senior nurse, and his name is Tony, and he will also look at my bookings and make sure that we have the equipment available because just because you write it onto, in, in, our, in our situation, into the computer doesn't mean that the university has all that equipment available on that day. You know, there may be 15 rooms running and who knows where the navigation unit is, if there's enough fluoroscopy units, if there's a neuromonitoring technician available. I mean, you know, if you book it in short term and all of those things are already occupied, then you're kicking up, might get, your booking might get kicked out because it's just not available. So we got we to gotta plan ahead. So it starts with the booking. And, you know, the nurses in the OR will look at that booking sheet and they will pull the, uh, the, the equipment that you need for your case. They'll pull the retractors, they'll make sure the bed is there, they'll get the floral unit in the room. So if you book inappropriate things into your uh, booking scheme, uh, or you start changing the booking scheme for a similar case every other time, you interrupt their flow. I see. So you gotta, you gotta have, uh, you know, basically a flow that is reproducible and reliable, and so I have, you know, sort of go-to things that I wanna do. And we try to do those, you know, repetitively to make sure that we don't uh, um, mess up other people's flow. And this this applies also if you're using instrumentation. And so, uh, if you're booking instrumentation, you got to book which company you want. You got to book which kind of instrumentation you want. You got to make sure that that's available too. You know, some of these sets live at the hospital, and some of these sets have to be brought in from elsewhere. So depending on if it's a rare or a common case. Uh, you know, if it's a rare case, then sometimes I have to get on the phone with the rep to make sure that they fly that stuff in right. so that I have it, especially, if, you know, if it's like an urgent tumor case and we're using stuff that we don't ordinarily use every day, we've got to, you know, make sure that stuff is, is available because you don't want to show up in the OR and then be told, oh, uh, it's still in transit. Yeah, I imagine for most spine cases, it's not like you see them in clinic and they do, you do surgery on the next day. There's a gap, right? Typically, there's a gap, but there can be situations where you will have to admit them straight out of clinic and go straight to the OR. Now, what are those cases? They're typically, for us, they're tumor cases. You know, somebody comes in, cord compression, uh, and you see them in clinic, and they took a while to get to your clinic. They may live far away. A lot of our patients live in other states or hundreds of miles away, and they show up in the clinic in, in bad shape. We admit them urgently. Now, that's a small minority of the cases. Most of them, as you say, are booked well in advance, and we have time to organize the equipment and organize all of the flow. That's great. So, so you're doing all of this, and then... So mentally, what's going through your head? So you've seen this patient. I know that I know you take great care of your patients. Like, do you do like a mental processing? Do you go back and look at the images later to make sure everything's correct? Like, what do you do before you actually get to the OR then? Yeah, I think uh, so. It might have been, you know, a month or two months between the booking and the electively scheduled case uh, for someone who uh, can, you know, reliably wait for surgery. And so you, you have to refresh your memory. So typically the day before or a couple days before, depending you know, if it's a Monday case and we'll do it on the Friday, uh, we will go through, um, we being me and the fellow, sometimes the resident, whoever's working with me that day, we'll go back through and review all the films uh, and make sure that uh, the case that we booked uh, is, you know, looks reasonable and nothing has changed and you know, there's nothing new in the patient's history or uh, you know, additional levels that we need to treat. Um, we double check that. Now we, uh, we also have at our place, we have a conference that happens, uh, on Wednesdays. And so we put in there the tough cases that we're not quite sure what to do and get multiple opinions on those. So we, we reserve that for, for sophisticated cases that are going to, you know, take some more of your thinking hat. So for people coming to the UCSF uh, center in here in San Francisco, 
they're actually getting sort of multiple opinions if they have a complex situation. Yes, right? that's right. We'll put, them, we'll put the case on for conference. You'll end up getting multiple opinions from surgeons, neurologists, radiologists. Uh, all those folks will typically come to that conference. Mm-hmm. What do you guys do at Rush? Is it similar or what are you so, seeing there? So we do have spine conferences maybe two times a month where we review uh, complex cases not to come but, but that have <coughs> recently been done. And then all the spine attendings together will go through details of the case, um, why was this decision made, and usually we'll, we'll do them in a batch, um, a few cases that morning, uh, bi-weekly. Mm. Yeah. Now, do you have a, like a mental ritual that you go through? Uh, you mean the day of surgery? Like the day before, day of, or anything like that? Well, the day before surgery, I usually try to reach the patient on the phone. I usually try to talk to them the night before. Um, I don't always... You know, I can't sometimes reach some people, but mm-hmm. you know, typically I'll try uh, to review the films, talk to the patient the night before, and just make sure that we're all on the same page. And you know, the, the things that you, we want to check is: Are you still having? Well, you say it's a lumbar problem. Are you still having right leg pain? Is there now new left leg pain? Is there something that's changed in the last month or two? By the time that we got to the OR, from the time that we saw you in the clinic, we just want don't want surprises. Yeah, it's surprising how often people who are inattentive to these things get get surprised, right? Like. Uh, you know, I, I, I really bristle at our institution because another surgical subspecialty ended up doing a wrong-sided type of an operation. And now they're telling all of us that we need to, you know, see the patient beforehand the morning of. And we were doing it anyways. But it was kind of insulting to me because I always felt like no matter how many timeouts you have, if the surgeon's an idiot, it's not going to do any good. You know, it's ultimately a professional relationship between a surgeon and a patient. Right? Don't you think? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, some things have, uh, some things are not the same as, as when I trained. I mean, when I trained, uh, you know, I trained with uh, folks who were, um, you know, I, I trained with when Charlie Wilson was still operating, and he used to run multiple rooms, and he had the whole thing down like clockwork, and he would have a plan, and he would never deviate from his plan, and his plan, um, you know, involved, this is how we're going to get to the OR, this is how we're going to, at the time, he was doing a lot of cranial surgery, how we're going to shave the head, this is how we're going to position the patient, and it was, you know, basically cookbook, and you went through the plan, you should never deviate from the plan, because the plan worked. Um, you know, now we're not in, in that time period now. Now we have mandatory timeouts, um, we are checking the site and the side, um, and, uh, you know, we're also checking the levels of surgery, too. Um, what can go wrong? Well, things that can go wrong is you get a, a patient who has really thick shoulders or, or you know, has a high uh, BMI and is, uh, you know, a bit on the larger side and you can't x-ray through the neck and you can't see where's the C6, C7 level because now you do a lateral x-ray and you can only count the top three bones because you see this huge shoulder that's in your right. way. Um, you know, what are you going to do with that? So you can do all the timeouts in the world, but you might still end up with the wrong level. Yeah, transitional segments. I mean, that's spines right. That's another problem. Yeah. Yeah. So then this is this is why so the day before we re-review the film so everybody makes sure that we're all on the same page uh, in, in order to avoid issues like that. Now those are, are relatively rare issues, but you know, when you have a never event, it's uh, you know, you don't wanna have to go and, and, and figure that out on the wrong end of uh, on the wrong end of being uh, you know, at the wrong level. So the fellows are with you in clinic, they help you with the booking. You're calling patients the night before, you're reviewing films, you're reviewing things with a, a multidisciplinary committee. What are your residents doing to prepare for the case? What, what is the secret handbook to keeping the attending happy in your room? Yeah, there is a very specific protocol for my residents. Um, I expect some responsibility when the guys come to the room and the girls come to the room. So what do they need to do? 
you need to meet the patient in pre-op because the residents are not in my clinic. Um, you know, there's not enough of them to go around. They don't really see clinic on our main campus. They're only seeing clinic at the county hospital and the VA. So they've never met these patients before. So I want them to meet the patient the morning before. Um, and this goes the same for, you know, sub-eyes or students, whoever's rotating our service. They should go with the resident and meet the patient. You know, you, the first time you should meet the patient is not in a sleep patient positioned on the table. That right. is not good medical health care, in my opinion. Right. So you need to go meet the patient in pre-op, talk to the patient, figure out where they hurt, which side it is, uh, make sure that you read my notes and make sure everything's matching up. Because when the residents and the fellows come to the OR, those are the questions that I ask. I want to see if you're prepared. Uh, are you going to come and you don't know which leg hurts? Are you going to come and not be sure which level is, is the operative level and you want me to like handhold you and show you the films? No, because if that's what's going to happen, then I'm going to do the case because, you know, you are not prepared. So um, if, if you come to the OR and you know which side is the side that hurts and you know the level and you put up the films, don't make me walk in the room and put up the films. Those films should be up yeah. and everything should be ready to go. And, uh, in, you know, I'll, I'll help sometimes position the patient. It's a big person, but sometimes, you know, the resident can position a, pre a patient as well. And then I'll come and check everything. You know, that's what we do on our timeout. We go through and we put everybody on the same page. Here's the, here's the film. Here's the, the level. Um, you know, I even write it up on the chalkboard, too. I mean, it's, a, it's a, not a chalkboard now. It's what do you call those little uh, dry erase boards. So uh, I, we write up everything there so everybody's on the same page, and then we're ready to go. But you've got to come in prepared. You can't come in lackadaisical. And, and ask me which side we're going to operate on and then ask me why we're operating right. and then, you know, ask around which level we're going to operate. That's not prepared. It's so. a privilege to assist you in the OR. I know that. I've talked to your fellows and, and residents. And the other thing about this is that, you know, I, I tell patients that working having surgery in a, in a university setting is actually safer because you've got all these super responsible individuals looking after you, right? But I, I got, I'm probably going to piss everybody off by making this comment, but I got this little thing I do in the OR where I tell people, like, we're not playing soccer, and I apologize to the soccer players out there, but, you know, I, I'm, we're playing American football. Like, you think about how much effort goes into drilling every play, watching game film, and then you've got about two seconds to execute on this. That's what I want people to do as opposed to like, I, I always say, you know, soccer guys, they don't coach and they don't practice and people don't know they, they, they do all that, but it's different, right? They're on the field without a lot going on and just trying to get the ball to the best player, I think is what happens. But in, in football, there's a concerted, organized team effort, right? Right. Or you're going to get destroyed. That's right. right. And that's what I tell people. And, and, and it's very American, I know. So it's a little bit colored, a little bit, you know, culturally colored. But that's what I really admire about you is that you do these things and you hold these people to the high standard. Do you find that you get any pushback from that? Like when you try to, you know, you say you've got to have these standards. Like you're taking care of people, right? Well, I mean, you got to, you got to think about when a patient comes to the OR, what if that was your family member? I mean, you know, if that was your family member, would you want someone to be there who doesn't know the level, doesn't know which side hurts, has never talked to you? Or do you want to go in there with someone who has learned all those things about you and has met you? I mean, I'd rather be in, you know, the secondary group where all of those things have been have been done by the surgeon and the surgeon assistant. And um, so I think that's a philosophical thing, um, you know, for me. And I, I try to make sure that we provide good care, um, you know, and it doesn't stop in the OR, too. You know, we, we see them in pre-op. We talk to them. We, we mark the side. We come in. We do the timeout. We position the patient. 
And positioning the patient, even that, I have a very specific way of doing it. I don't want them positioned in certain ways. The, even the way I position the table, I, you know, in, 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 in the open bottom table, I, I want the, uh, the top of the head and the top rung and the bottom of the head and the bottom of the bed and the bottom rung so that I don't have to crane my neck back around. Um, you know, when I, when I operate on the lumbar spine, especially the lumbosacral junction with the high sacral slope, you know, I want to have the bed optimally positioned to preserve my neck position. So, um, you know, very specific. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and each of those things, uh, you know, has to be done in the appropriate way. And there's nuance to it. So that's why, you know, the, the residency is a long time. The fellowship's an additional, you know, finishing year. And you got to figure out all of those nuances along the way because there's a lot of nuance that goes on. Yes, the art form of surgery, isn't it? That is. There is an art to it. Well, it's just very fascinating, and I think that, you know, for those young people listening out there, definitely uh, soak this in, let this soak into your brain, because I think that, you know, we all want to have great and storied careers like Praveen's, and I think learning these fine details, and uh, I, I love the quote, chance favors the prepared mind, right? Nelson and I talked about this morning, it's like, you want to be there to receive the information, because we're not saying it for our health, right? We're saying it because we care, and we want people to the future generations to be really good at this. You know, the, the other thing is that I'll say one other last thing maybe, and that is when the case is done, I expect the resident, the fellow, whoever is working with me to go do the post-op check. And then I want to be contacted with that post-op check. The case is not done in my mind until the patient wakes up and everything is good. And uh, so you can't just do the case and go off and do something else, go get coffee, whatever it is, you know, trot along to another case. I want my patient checked. If my patient is not checked, I don't feel like the whole thing is complete. Well, you'd be, I think people would be surprised how often that check leads to something that was meaningful in terms of the care of the patient, right? Yeah, on, on a rare occasion, you know, someone has a hematoma in the, in the, in the uh, post-op, you know, in the, in, the, mm-hmm. in, the, in the recovery unit, and then we have to go get it. And if no one's checked that patient, you can't, um, you know, rely on the, the nursing staff over there to figure that out. And someone who is you know, waking up from anesthesia, but we know what to look for. Yeah. And so we've got to, we've got to go check the patients and make sure that, that it's all exactly the way we thought it is. I think the nurses and the patients and the families all like that reassurance that a doctor's there with them. If not us, then maybe our surrogates, right? That's yeah. And, and, you know, this is the other thing is if I have, you know, they, you, you think about, you think about your spider senses tingling. If my spider sense is tingling, I have zero compul- zero issue of of compulsively going to the recovery room and checking it myself. Mm-hmm. And if I haven't heard from someone, I'm going to go look. Because the bottom line is we got to make sure that everybody's doing fine. What was it that Jock Marcos talked about? The meta-consciousness? The metacognition. Metacognition. Yeah, that the metacognition, that spider sense. Yeah, yeah. See, for me, I'm, I'm a simple spine surgeon. I go with the spider sense. I can't, <laughs> I can't do the big words. Well, Praveen, thank you very much for your time. We all look forward to all the great things you're doing, and uh, thank you for sharing your thoughts with us today here on the podcast. Great. Thanks, gentlemen. Thank you.